0: Welcome to Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. In Braves country, we are so excited for you to meet our new proud sponsor, Billy Reed. Now, Billy is an award-winning fashion designer who is redefining global style from his home base in the Shoals in Alabama. He is also a diehard baseball fan who grew up cheering on the Braves, and he offers a line of Atlanta-inspired hats, t-shirts, and accessories that embody the soul of our city. Billy and his team craft luxurious made-in-the-USA shirts, denim, and more, all with a timeless modern style that will have you wearing them again and again. Experience them for yourself at his two Atlanta shops, one in Buckhead and one at White Provisions, or discover them online at billyreed.com. That's billyreed r e i d.com. Welcome to another edition of Behind the Braves, presented by Billy Reed. I'm Ricky Mast from MLB.com, alongside Director of Braves Alumni Relations, Greg McMichael. And Greg, today we have uh, not only a voice very familiar to Braves fans, but one of my buddies, one of the people in this game that I I really do consider a a very close personal friend of mine, Uh, a good buddy of mine, Ben Ingram. Of course, if you listen to the Braves radio, if you've listened for the last decade, you've heard him for a while on the pregame and postgame shows and then most recently called gosh I don't know 100 110 games last year on the radio and does a does a phenomenal job a guy who's paid his dues worked his way up to the big leagues um and is just as good of a guy as you want to meet too funny engaging great storyteller um uh, you know I can't say enough about Ben I was very excited when I knew we were going to have him on and and Kind of like similarly like when we had Bowman on a few weeks ago or a month or two ago because he's a buddy of mine, too, and I knew he would be good. And we'll have Kevin McAlpin on at some point, too. Same relationship there. Um, but uh, but it is interesting. Ben's a buddy, and we talk you know, all the time text and all that good stuff. And uh, I was hearing some of these stories he was telling for the first time. And the things about it, like even when we got serious there, which you'll hear, uh, some things I knew about his personal life, but I didn't know that they had occurred in a time uh, they it actually took him out of baseball for a year. And it's really, really, really good time with Ben. So, I, how much time have you spent with Ben? Uh, yeah, I, I really have not spent much time with him at all
1: since we've been doing the podcast. And, and because I knew you guys were friends, you know, I've been, we've had lunch here and talked here. More so, probably because your interaction and me being hanging around with you. But obviously, I followed Ben's career over the last 10 years because it really coincided with my time kind of being reengaged with the Braves by starting the alumni program with us. So I started in 2010 at the end of 2010, and he came on board in 2011. So really, I've kind of... Watched him. He's had alumni working with him in the pregame and the postgame. You know, Jay Howell did it and Jeff Treadway and Mark Lemke and all these guys. So, I knew those guys. And so, by that, I've gotten to know Ben. And I would go by the booth when we were at Turner Field. And they would be out there in that little room, you know, watching the game and staying there. And uh, so, it's been it's been fun to watch Ben because we all, I think you would agree, we all knew first time we met, met Ben, he was very talented. Mm-hmm. And you could tell. I just had a hard time picturing who he was <laughs> because I would hear his voice and I'm thinking, is that really coming out of his mouth? Because it just does not look, does not sound like that it should be
0: coming out of his body. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> and- I've heard that from other other folks who have said that, like they think it's like this old guy, old man. <laughs> and it's like, no, Ben's like, I think he's he either just, he's about to turn oh. 40 or he's late 30s and, yeah. uh, you know. Yeah, not- yeah but it's, it's great hearing
1: the story. So I, I'm hearing those for the first time, but I'm really interested. I was really interested to hear his story and how he got to Atlanta and you know he paid his dues but it's something as we'll hear he's he's been passionate about since a very young young kid and and uh I always love seeing somebody who envisions what their life they want their life to be like and they pursue it and it happens it's a great story.
0: I've only met literally maybe two counting Ben two or three people in my life that knew as young as he was when the, like the, he, they knew that young, like grade school, really like young grade school, Mm -hmm. that this is what they want to do with their life. And they did it or they made it happen and it became, came to fruition. And uh, so to hear that was very cool. And I would say this too, if, if you're an aspiring broadcaster or just aspiring to work in baseball, I think this is a great interview and a great episode for you to listen to Uh, work ethic, attitude, willingness to do whatever, pay your dues, and Setback. setbacks. Um, and then even when he gets the job, like antici- like thinking ahead, anticipating what's going to happen. So Ben's the real deal. You know, he's not a shill. He's, he's a solid dude. He's not a what? He's not a shill shill what's that mean is that well, some virginia slang no it's like he's not like a uh he's not a phony you know oh, he's not like a, a shell corporation yeah yeah he's like the real deal he's the real deal he's not a shill he's the okay, real deal. i've yeah. never heard that before. well now he has, that's see? that's not a hillbilly term that's something else yeah that's right well see we're, we're dropping some knowledge here on you Greg. so all right without further ado here he is uh from the breeze radio network ben ingram Well, Ben, first of all, thank you for uh, allowing us to lure you into this hotel
2: room in San Diego late at night. It's a beautiful evening, and we're glad to have you up here. Yeah, well, l- being lured into a hotel room late at night by two guys is not what I had in mind tonight. But for you guys, anything. There we go. Way to start it, Ricky. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Why
0: don't I start more of our show? What's up with that? Yeah. Well, Ben, thank you for taking the time to join us. We're all out here for the winter meetings, and we, uh, we're we all busy, and we're all, we're all slammed with stuff to do all day. So thank you for taking yeah, the absolutely. Time Absolutely. My pleasure. All, I want to start at the beginning, the very beginning of your broadcasting career. When did you first have the inclination, or first think about becoming
2: a broadcaster, making ma- wanting to make that your your career path? Probably second, third grade, something like that. It was a long time ago, and I don't I don't know why. I don't know why I was. I, I mean, I, I enjoyed playing uh, sports and everything, but something just drew me to that, and um, I would go home and mute the TV and record myself calling games and stuff, and that's just where it started. And it just, for some reason, just felt like all along that was just there, just kind of... Hovering over me, I guess, is the best way I can say it, where, you know, you talk about interests that you might have in life or whatever. But that was just always there, uh, just kind of floating alongside of me. That's the best way I can describe it, as if I knew that's what I'm going to pursue one day. And once I got into high school and college, continued to pursue it, and doors kept opening. But uh, it, it is, it's is—it's kind of bizarre, because I, when I say that, my brother and sister, they didn't know what they wanted to do until they were in college, out of college. But it was strange, man. It was really a blessing just to know, really, your whole life, that's the direction that you're probably going to go. Yeah, that's such a rare thing to have
0: somebody that that young. You, you know, this is what I want to do, and then you actually follow on it. I mean, I... I was in my 20s, and I still didn't know what I wanted to do. I'm in my 30s now, and I'm barely figuring it out. So. <laughs> um, well, all right, so did you go? So then you went to college specifically for broadcasting. Right.
2: right? And where did you go? I went to Mississippi College. It's, uh, at the time, it was a Division three school, so D2 school now. And they had an on-campus fm radio station that was pretty much student run now they had adults who were in charge and hired people to do this that and the other and did sales and all that stuff but as far as the on-air stuff students ran it uh from a a morning sports talk show to uh, an afternoon show to play by play and i was doing play by play football baseball basketball uh for the school that i was uh, that i went to and it was a huge advantage for me because I, i finished up uh, college and already had four years of, of play-by-play of, mm. of three major sports. So it really worked out. That was about 30, 40 minutes away from where I grew up. Uh, just always had a drawing, always had a, an attraction to listening to a game, TV, radio, whatever. Uh, when I was a little kid, it was, it was my uh, form of adventure because I could uh, – I grew up in a – home my father's a pastor my mom's a teacher so there was a a lot of discipline in the house (laughs) so we had one television they didn't want us to have more than one they felt like we had tvs in our room that would take Mm -hmm. away from family time i don't think you could afford it anyway so i had a radio in my room so when it was time to go to bed and you are going to close your door you got to turn off your lights and i don't want to be i wasn't ready to go to bed i wanted to stay up i've always kind of been a night owl and I had a, a radio. And I could just scan through and, and I could pick up a station out of Cincinnati and a station mm-hmm. out of New Orleans and a station out of Birmingham. Mm-hmm. And so I'd, I'd ride them all down, all these stations, because I was fascinated with what's the furthest station I could pick up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and AM radio was just my way to explore things. It just, just blew my mind. I could hear the news in Dallas, Texas or something like that. And then one night I come across Jack Buck, On KMOX calling a Cardinal game. And it was the crowd I could hear where uh, that was, that's when it clicked. I was like, Mm. that's, I want to be, I want to be where he is. And that's really where it all started. So it was, it all worked out to where it was a pursuit of, of uh broadcasting play-by-play and the school to to bring it back to your question was only 30 40 minutes away my mom went there for two years before she transferred and everything just kind of lined up to go there because i really didn't have any intentions of, of going and you know these big broadcasting schools syracuse and northwestern and missouri and uh, I would have loved to have done that, but it, I mean, I, we couldn't afford out-of-state tuition in those mm. places. So it just worked out perfectly that this uh, D3 school with a student-led station was right there less than an hour away. So I, I just love how it, without me knowing, just kind of pointed me mm. in that direction. And that's the direction that I just kept on following, I guess.
1: Yeah, that's Awesome. I
2: know people made the
1: comment that you ever heard somebody say well he's he's an old soul yeah well you've got an old voice yeah so it's in I never could picture what you or how young you were and how you looked because your voice did I mean did you always know you had kind of a unique voice well
2: or is that I, something I know you developed that. I think it developed really in high school and that's the interesting thing I think a lot of people it would be the reverse of this they'd come to the conclusion hey i'm 17 18 i've got a voice that sounds like it might be good on the air why don't i check into broadcasting (laughs) i had the desire to do this long before i knew i had the tools to do this and it's just it's just fortunate for me that uh, i ended up with a voice that was unique enough do, to sound to different yeah. you know and that's what i always wanted i there are a lot of great broadcasters out there, there's hundreds and hundreds of them i just didn't want to sound like anybody else and i just wanted to i wanted people to turn on the radio and say that's ben ingram i mm-hmm. just wanted to be distinct and coming on it, it wasn't it wasn't the the uh, an attractive thing and I, and I mean that by i would speak with Agents requesting, I was requesting representation, things like that, trying to get into the business, and people thought I sounded too old school. That I could, they couldn't market my style of voice, and I was like, well, I I think that's an advantage. Nobody else sounds uh, quite like me, and um, I've never really run from sounding like i'm from the south i think there's a big difference in sounding southern and sounding country Mm -hmm. and and nothing against either one of those but i don't want to sound like i didn't know how to you know tie my shoes or anything like that like (laughs) i've never even been to school (laughs) i want to be able to complete sentences uh but i didn't mind at all sounding like i was uh, uh, had a southern dialect i think i've always had that but um it's just something that kind of came along and i was like well this is this is what i sound like and if they like it mm-hmm. great if they don't there's nothing i can do about it but i just didn't want to sound like anybody else and, and water my own wine yeah. i just kind of wanted well, to do I, my own thing
1: yeah and i think i think no matter what pursuit that you have in life if you're passionate about it mm-hmm. that's going to come out more than anything right i mean you you're not a studio made Voice and personality just to fit some niche or some you know industry, but you know that's it's who you are, like you said. But your passion comes out in you know what you do, and and I you know I don't know if we ever got a chance to say, but you know congratulations on this year. I know it's been uh, your first full year doing what you've been doing with the Braves broadcast, and. Um, You did a great job, and I've heard nothing but positive things from alumni, from fans. I mean, just you fit right in, and you've done a great job, so congratulations on that. It was interesting, I was just at a career development seminar uh, for a lot of former players and current players up at uh, Torrey Pines and... And so I got a chance to hear the broadcast panel. Mm -hmm. I was on a panel for business and, you know, but the baseball side of business with some people, but they had uh, some people in the industry from broadcasting. If guys want to get in, there was coaches there, uh, like Rocco Valdelli was there and, and some different scouts were there. It was really interesting. One thing that kept coming up was if you're passionate about it, then you're going to pursue it no matter what right he, you're going to get no's you're going to get all kinds of opinions about you can't do this you can't do that but what I thought uh, was a great story and I don't know do you know Bob Scanlon I'm, I don't think I've met him okay, I don't know so, name. So yeah so I pitched you know I pitched against he was back mm-hmm. during my era but he was telling his story about him getting into broadcasting and everybody said Nah, you just you just don't have it. Go do something else. And get right. telling him it. and he's like, No, no, I think I really like this and they he says, Well, give me some feedback and I'm like, Well, you're not good at this, you're not good at that, you're not good at that and so he started trying to knock these things out and he just tried to do everything else. Uh, to the point where he'd go to the little league game and take a microphone, <laughs> and he's up in the stands doing play-by-play and analysis of the little—I mean, his kid's little league game—because he was so passionate right. about. I'm going to do this, and slowly but surely, he got better and better and better to where he is. He's he works for San Diego now, and he's doing a great job for the Padres. But it took him, you know. Everybody's saying no to one person giving him a small, you know, chance to doing this, and now he's done everything in the game, from sideline to color to play-by-play play, to everything. But it just reminded me when you say that that we're all going to experience no's. Mm-hmm. And but if you're passionate about it and you're willing to learn and be coachable, then you can go a long way in life. And um, so I love hearing a story, but I, I want to hear more about. Um, some of your minor league because obviously oh, man. you yes. have some great stories because as players we were all right there together so whether you were the trainer or broadcaster or playing in the minor leagues everybody's everybody's the same you're all at, you absolutely
2: know, you go your family it. that's right you know, you're on the bus together and you're going to the restaurants together and you're at the ballpark together it, it's different from the big leagues i think when, when you get to the big leagues it's a little bit more broken off into what it is you do and, and of course we see the players on the road and hi hello have a coffee here and there but by and large when I'm on the road you're hanging out with the broadcasters Mm -hmm. players are hanging out with players coaches are hanging out with coaches in the minor leagues you that was that was it (laughs) it was a bus full of brothers Mm -hmm. which was fun and it was I I think the the closer you got to the big leagues maybe the more broken up it would get but I I mean I, I started in independent baseball and that's just a league. Of outlaws, you know, it's a bunch of angry guys who feel like they should be in the big leagues, but aren't for a multitude of reasons. Yeah. And nobody has money. And you're going to towns that nobody wants to go to, playing <laughs> horrific ballparks, and you're all doing it together, which is great. But I, I always, um, I, I always, I I always accepted. The pay your dues part. I, I ne- There was never a day in the minor leagues where I was miserable. Because e- even if I wasn't in the big leagues and there was no guarantee that I was going to be calling big league games, I'm calling baseball games and I'm traveling with a team and I'm having a blast. And I didn't care that at the time I was making, well. You know, eighty dollars a game or whatever it might be or, or 15 grand for an entire season you make nothing but i didn't care uh, i i enjoyed paying the dues and enjoyed that climb with the rest of those guys who they players but we all had the same goal we all wanted to get to the big leagues and, and there was something that was kind of unifying about that we we're all hoping that we could find a way there but yeah there, there's there's so many good stories and and so i i could give you an hour of, of just <laughs> unbelievable stuff i always said if i if i were to write a book three-fourths of what would probably be from the one summer in independent baseball just <laughs> so ridiculous uh and uh well give us one yeah, give us and, one you and crazy and sport. where was the where was the team this was in jackson mississippi this was okay. in the central baseball league uh, which is no longer a league uh and the team is no longer they were the jackson senators and we had it's probably about a nine or ten team league and it was us it was a team in shreveport there's a team in pensacola and every other team in that league was in texas so i mean there must have mm-hmm. been half a dozen teams in texas at least was, uh fort worth and edinburgh and nice bus uh, rides oh my gosh we, <laughs> we had a we had a i'll tell you a funny story we had this this bus and the guy who drove the bus, looked like Ron Jeremy. That's the <laughs> best description I can give. This Fu Manchu mustache, and big guy. and, uh, and tell he, you who the audience he, he He's uh, uh, an adult actor, I guess is the best way to say. <laughs> yeah. So this guy owned the bus. And he drove an arena football team during the, uh, during the football season. He drove us during the baseball season. So the team figured out that this guy doesn't do anything when the game's going on. he would just sit around in his bus. So they said, well, why don't, you, why don't we get you a uni, and we'll put you in the bullpen. <laughs> so they get him a uniform, and it, the name plate says RJ, and he's number 69. And he sat in the bullpen course he's in his 50s he would never be on the team but he sat in the bullpen every road game and and they'd give autographs and 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 the whole deal it was just anything goes in that league that was a ridiculous story i'll tell you another really good one from that summer it was a it was a home game and we had uh this scoreboard in left field and on the other side of the scoreboard it was pine trees, really tall pine trees that backed right up to the back fence. So when you hit a home run, the go, ball goes over the wall, it disappears into the woods. So this scoreboard on the on the sides of it had these two poles that went up, and they had these two firework canisters on either side. Anytime somebody hit a home run, PA guy hits a button, poof, and these these – firework shots go up as the guys circling the bases you know a really nice effect especially for that league <laughs> so this one particular day there's a really bad storm and there's a they tarp the field and in that in those days i had to have material ready to put on the air because i had to go help with the tarp i got in trouble if i wasn't there i had dirty clothes that sat in the tar in the uh, press box (laughs) and i had to change clothes shoot down there get some evergreen material on the air and go pull the tarp so we pull the tarp and we have maybe a hour and a half long rain delay and they'd have to cover the canisters so they didn't get wet and ruin the fireworks and we were doing all this stuff covering the bullpen mounds well the rain subsides we take the tarp off all of a sudden it's a beautiful night play ball the second guy who comes to the plate that inning crushes a ball way gone the guy that sits i don't know 10 feet from me who has the button for the fireworks on the scoreboard hits the button well next thing we know there's just giant plume of smoke coming up from the back of the scoreboard (laughs) they forgot to take the tarps off the firework canisters so we're sitting there looking at the scoreboard like surely it's just it it, kind of put itself out next thing we know this raging inferno comes up on the back of the scoreboard so he's circling the bases the scoreboard's on fire i'm calling the game and what's happening with the scoreboard they never even stopped the game so the scoreboard is literally on fire the game's going on the the firemen come and they pull the truck up they can't get any closer than maybe the left field foul pole because the parking lot went right down the left field line then you got to those woods I was talking about. So they've got a water cannon arched <laughs> over the left field corner, hitting the scoreboard, trying to put the fire out. And wow, I sat the sat going on. For half an hour, <coughs> calling the game and giving the play-by-play <laughs> of the firefighters. And they finally got it out
1: that's that story that's, would oh, what would gosh. you imagine that your uh, listening audience what was the how big was that oh, outside gosh. of your family 15 <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's pretty good yeah counting the, the ball- people in the ballpark that it, was just was it a.m was it uh it was a.m it was, it, was it wasn't internet but <clears throat> no it was fifteen ninety a.m
0: okay in jackson mississippi wow yeah how about that greg and i we were we were recording another episode today and we had to drive up the road about an hour and on the way back i don't even know how it came up but we start talking about independent ball and how I, I just don't know how those teams and those players i mean god bless them but they do it i don't know how they make it and it's and it's stories like that that it's like how does how do they keep doing it i guess I it's know. just the will and, and the want to
2: to get to where There's they always just a, well the, <laughs> it's i think for a lot of those guys they had experienced affiliated baseball and they always, I think all those guys thought, well, I can, if I can just get going and get good, if I can get hot for a little while, I can get back into affiliated ball. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it was realistic in their minds they would get to the big leagues, but it was, I mean, affiliated ball was, might as well have been the big leagues compared to indie mm-hmm. ball. And, and I think knowing that they, <laughs> they had that taste and, and had experienced it, they felt, well, maybe I can get hot and get back there. And it's your last rung on the ladder. And mm-hmm. you're just hoping. Some of them are delaying the
1: inevitable, right. just growing up and. You know, and I, I've, I've taught for years. I don't, I don't anymore, but I did for about fifteen years, and I had plenty of students that would call me when they were at the end of their careers. They'd played college, they played two years, and I just had a conversation on the way out here to San Diego, uh, a young man who's uh, played six years and he's got the AAA, and he's healthy and he's throwing the best he's ever thrown, but mm-hmm. he can't find a job, and he went to Korea. He's coming back, or he's gone to Taiwan, he's come back. And it's just like you think, man, I am just – I'm the best I've ever been. Right. And I know that I can pitch in the big leagues. People have gone past me, and they're there, and I was just as good as them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I'm 28, and and I just encourage them all. I say, listen, you're only going to be 28 one time. By the time you're 32, you know, typically the number used to be, if you're not in the big leagues by 26 – you probably need to start looking at a, you know, a different career. Now, if you've been to the big leagues and you come back down to AAA, you can make a decent living, you know, probably six figures for a good eight to ten years mm-hmm. if you do that. Um, but you have to have big league experience. If you don't, it's going to be really tough to to make enough money to provide for your family for six months. Right. But these guys, they get that close and they never get the call up, but yet they know and they've been around people and they've played long enough, that man, I figured it out now, but then they can't find that job. So that's where independent balls, like, you know, keeps luring you in there. And I tell right. them, I said, hey, the last thing you want to do is regret anything in your life, and you know that by the time you're 32 and you were 28 and you shut it down and you thought, man, I should have just done it one more time, you're better off going ahead and doing it mm-hmm. just to say, you know, I tried everything I possibly could. For this career and it just didn't work finally nobody gave me a job and then you can kind of wipe your hands of it and move on but it's tough when you're in your mid to late 20s and you think that your whole dream for the last 15 20 years or 10 years is over right and how do you move on from that and sometimes it takes a little bit of the doors shut completely and then when there's always a league like the independent leagues that are there Still willing to give shot. you a shot, yeah. it's it's hard to say, oh, you know, maybe I can. So I
2: get it. Shows you how much we love this yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. Now. I mean, yeah, to the okay. point where I, I think you, you'll do, maybe if you could step outside of yourself and watch your actions, you'd say, that makes no sense <laughs> and and, and I, I think it's the same for, for broadcasters for front office people for umpires mm-hmm. everybody in that league any league you're, you're you're all trying to get to the same place yeah and for some of us it works out for others it doesn't and you just you'll see guys that are just trying mm-hmm. with everything and they love it so much and I love that passion kind of goes going back to what you're sure. talking about and you just you wish that everybody could find their way but that's Well, a lot of times
1: we don't see guys like yourself in broadcasting or the trainers or – Guys that are passionate about the game, too, and they're trying to find a way mm-hmm. to get to the big leagues. I mean, how how much time – I mean, I met you back in what – I started with the Braves again and 10 years ago. Right. And you came along, what, 2011?
2: 2000, 2011. I 2000, so right,
1: right after that. So I saw you doing all these pregame shows and postgame yeah. shows for a long time, and you stuck it out with us. Mm-hmm. And you just finally got your shot here this past year so i mean even all that time you spent in the mile you're still a young man but still all that time in the milings and now you once you even got to the big leagues to to degree, you were around the big leagues but right. you really weren't in the big
2: leagues yeah it was when my first six seven years i was doing obviously pre and post and i would get to fill in uh, for jim or don and i might get anywhere from 10 to 20 games a year and, and i loved it so much that and I enjoyed the pre- and the post-game. I love working with all those guys. But at Jay the, and Yeah, <laughs> what is going on about Jay? Oh, my gosh. That will uh, be our next next time you come on. We'll just do a whole episode of we're Jay We're going to bring starts. him if on. If I had him out rush more of my favorite people that I've ever met on planet Earth, Jay's on it. We're going to bring him as a guest He's, he's like the George guest Washington host. slot on my, no doubt about it. We would it. have to make our podcast an hour and a half yeah, to we, be uh, able to have you yeah, yeah, a stories yeah. but hey, You talk about stories. Uh, but you, 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 I, I was, it was basically a means to call. All games. And I I would do a hundred and 30, 140 pregame shows if it meant me getting play-by-play for 20 games because that might mean more games here. It might mean more games with 29 other teams. So while I was here and I loved being in Atlanta and I loved being just six hours from the town I grew up in and family could come over, my whole mentality was I've got to be good enough not just for the Braves. I've got to be good enough for 29 other teams because one of those other teams might need a lead number one guy and I want to be ready for that and maybe that comes through getting 15 to 20 games of play-by-play. Fortunately, it worked out here here to do more and more because I, I wanted to be here but i the, the the thing that i love more than the atlanta braves is the game of baseball i want to be calling major league innings and if i have my choice it's going to be in atlanta but if the if i don't have that opportunity here and some other other 29 teams calls then i was gonna have to be ready but i, I was just so glad it worked out here and i went from 20 something games two years ago to 100 games this past year and it was just like you said, it was a dream mm. season. And all those years, it, it's it's worth it. And the, the climb of minor league ball, pre-game, post-game, all that stuff, hands down, and definitely worth the grind. Mm.
0: We're on minor league ball. I know you called games at Mississippi for a while for for the Braves, Mississippi Braves. And you were out where you were in Oregon or somewhere right. also, right? Right.
2: I was A-ball for the Padres for one year. So I I did the one year in independent baseball in '04. Uh, went to Oregon in 05. Uh, was out of baseball in two thousand six altogether, and then in 07 was the number two in Mississippi. Became the number one there eight, nine, and ten, and then to Atlanta and at eleven. Okay, all right. What was? Do you mind saying what what were you doing the year that you were you were out of the game completely? So, Oregon was three thousand miles away from where I was from. Uh, I had some it was just a bad time in my life. And I don't mind telling you, I was I was partying a lot. I was 26 years old. I, I was engaged and then got disengaged. And it was just kind of a dark time where I was just trying, not that I was doing things that I regret, but just trying to find out how do I do, how do I succeed in life? How do I achieve what I want to achieve? How do I get there? And I wanted to I wanted to go back out to Oregon for my second season. They wanted me to come back. Uh, But given where things were in my my personal life, it just – I wasn't ready to go back and do that. And I kind of needed to see if something else was going to work and try to pick up my life at that point as a 26-year-old and and really – buckle down and i think we all come to that point where okay it's it's time to really focus on what you're going to do with this life because whether you like it or not you're not a kid anymore and you got to figure this thing out and it was a i, I can say this with 100 percent honesty it was a change in my spiritual life it was a change in how i uh the relationship i had with my parents and my family uh it was a time where i really thought that i i could uh, just put away uh, the thought of well, if I just show up, it's going to work out for me. Yeah, I really got to the core of all right, what's it going to take, what's work ethic need to be like, and, and just kind of started from the ground up. And that next year, that's when the uh, the Mississippi Braves number two spot happened to come along. It was just, it was an answered prayer, and I was a, I was better for going through that one year it was i I felt a million miles from where i wanted to be but i love telling that story because i went from 06 being completely out of the game to five years later being in the big leagues and Mm -hmm. for me personally i I don't think i could do that on my own i think there was a i think there was a um I think there was a a higher power helping me and there's no doubt it was a I felt like I had a relationship uh, with uh, Christianity that I had never really had before and it just kind of changed my life to where I needed to really align um, my priorities, how I treat people, how what I expect out of myself. And it's just funny to me, and, and everything, different things work for different people, but that's really what structured my life to set me on the right path to achieve getting here. Well,
0: it, and it's interesting. You and I have talked before about our because I went through the same thing of was engaged and then got disengaged, and you and I have shared <laughs> that, that part of our stories with each other. I didn't right. know it was during that time in your life. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting because for me it was the same thing in that the darkest period of my life was – coming off of the heels of that and it was very much a you're not a kid anymore what are you doing like what I, I had no direction I, I'd been trying all these different things and I focused myself on on everything I was doing re, rethought everything and set a goal like I was going to move to Atlanta without a job just because I had I had some connections down Atlanta. I I'd, I'd exhausted all options at home in Virginia. Uh, Love it there. It's still home to me, but there was nothing else there for me career-wise. Right, And I said, I'm going to move to Atlanta without a job. And in the meantime, I set to getting myself right mentally, physically, everything, just a lot of things that needed fixing. And while I was in the midst of that, I got a call from somebody I knew from the Braves saying, hey there's a job opening here. If, you, if you're if you interested in it, we would really like you to take it. And I was like, my response literally was, I was going to move to Atlanta without a job. So let's do that. <laughs> let's, let's, do, do, let's, do let's do the let's one do, with the job. Let's do that thing where I come with the job. Yeah. So Okay, well, I have so. to ask so you, but you've been calling games, uh, called a lot of games this year. I, I personally, it was very cool. You called the, the, the Braves clinching the, the East this year. Mm-hmm. The video that you guys have, you and J. Chad in the booth, was just so cool. Is that...
2: Where does that rank on your your career highlights, calling that moment? That's way up there. It it really is. It was um, – I've never thought about ranking individual moments, but that would certainly be up there because it's a – you can't – you can help what you do to get to the big leagues. In other words, if I put enough work in and and do what it takes, I I would hope that it would be good enough to get to uh, a level where somebody would say, we want you to call our games. You can't control what the team is going to do or not do. You just got to be ready for it. And I, I, to me, that's why that would rank high because there's I can't control what's happening on the field. So to be in that position to call a moment like that, it, it, it's it's crazy. It really is. And I was sitting there and take it a step further, calling playoff games. And I, I had games three and four at Bush Stadium. And of course, uh, we win game three and just a, a wild game. We get the comeback in the ninth inning and being there for that game four. Well, it went St. Louis's way when the when the Cardinals tied the game in the eighth inning. I, my feet were shaking; the 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 foundation of that stadium was moving. I could feel the floor moving, and just uh, I, it just so surreal to we go to commercial break, and of course we didn't like the result of what happened. But I'm just thinking, like, I got to call that. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I dreamt of doing. Uh, and, and same thing for Game 3. So uh, those are moments that are way, way up there uh, because, like I said, you can't control what the team's going to do. You just got to be ready for it. And just being able to to bring that moment to thousands and thousands and thousands of people on the Braves Radio Network is just out of this world humbling for me because I just, uh, really? <laughs> that, that, right. that really happened? Uh, so it's, uh, it's really humbling and just... An honor to be a part of those kinds of moments and get to narrate what I see for so many people who aren't there. Uh, when you're preparing for one of those moments and you're,
1: I know, I know there's a reactionary, you know, part of you because you're a professional. I mean, mm-hmm. you're you're used to calling things, but there's always when you think about the greatest calls, they just they come out. But at some point, do you practice? Or, or think about what well, this would be really cool to say if this ever got the opportunity or or if I was ever in this situation this would be kind of you know a neat phrase or, right. or a coin you know because you gotta i mean, I would assume you have to think about some of those things because you don't want to just say the same thing that you heard you've heard from eighty other different announcers right. or watching SportsCenter and be like Chris Berman go back 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 back. I mean, you you don't want to do that. You want right. to be your own person, and you've been studying that, but yet you've got to come up with your own material to mm-hmm. some degree. So, do you, how much time do you practice that, or have you do you do that in the off season, or do you think through that? Because obviously. I've never asked anybody that question because I've not really interviewed any announcers, but I would imagine there's got to be some work that
2: you put in that nobody ever sees that you've got to get to that point. When I was a teenager, I had a mentor named Lee Adams. He called high school and college football, baseball, basketball. He was, uh, I don't know, he's probably 20 years older than I am. And we, we worked a lot together. He was really hard on me in a good way he wanted me to succeed and uh, not sound like everybody else that was his goal and he would tell me all the time you've got to say what everyone else is saying but you've got to say it in a different way Uh, You're not just there to inform people. You're there to entertain people. People need to be entertained by what you say, the information you give. You need to teach them things. Uh, They need to know more about the team, an individual, the game, whatever it may be, after listening to you than they did prior. So those are all things that I've kept in mind, and I've always wanted to put my own twist on things, say what everyone else is saying, but say it in a different way. Uh, I've never practiced – uh, a call. I've never practiced saying what I'm. Uh, I've never premeditated any kind of call. Uh, there are what I've tried to do is, and in, in, especially in the last ten years, I've always done my best to be so prepared that you're already thinking about what may happen before it happens mm. uh to be prepared for a situation and the best example i can give of that is uh and and i i, I kind of learned the hard way on this i was calling the game in the minor leagues it's a runner at third base uh, a game winning run he's standing at third and i'm my attention is on the batter this guy gets a base hit game's over this guy gets into a rundown, and the, the runner at third gets into a rundown on a missed uh, squeeze play, and the, the runners hung off a third base. They throw down. They get in a rundown. He scores the run. There was a, a moment of hesitation when the play started, and, and I kicked myself. It was during a double-A game. I kicked myself. I was like I wasn't ready for that, and I I wanted to, from there on out, start to – think in my mind okay if there's a runner at third there's a bases are loaded or whatever it may be what could happen here that would be completely out of left field unpredictable that I might be surprised by, and I want to be ready for that. So I, I think the, the best advice I could give young broadcasters would be, do your best to try to foresee what's going to happen. Think of all the circumstances. That way you're not surprised by it. And, and I bring that story up to, to answer your question. And, well, I, I, I don't think you would premeditate a call, but when something when takes place, I want to have had that happen in my head. Mm-hmm. We had a, a game this year where um, – You'll probably remember it was a game against the Brewers. Josh Hader's on the mound for the Brewers. Freeman hits a walk-off home run, I think, in the bottom of the 10th inning. I think it was an O one one pitch that he hit out of the ballpark. And right before that, that second pitch, it crossed my mind, you got to be ready for him to hit a home run because you got to match the moment. Mm-hmm. And while the odds of him hitting a home run probably weren't all that high, I had to, in my mind, visualize that, and be, just be ready for it. Not think of what I'm going to say, but just be ready. So where if it does happen, I'm not shocked or I don't match the moment with my call. And, and that takes a lot of practice. That takes time. And, of course, you get the home run out of the ballpark. And I was ready for it. It was almost like just an anticipation. <clears throat> And to me, that has helped me a lot in broadcasting, trying to match moments with my uh, description is anticipating the call, anticipating the play first and third. Yeah, there could be a double player could be a triple player. Uh, Don't be surprised by the result on the field. Don't hesitate because you're surprised with something that you didn't expect to Mm -hmm. see. And I think that anticipation has helped me as a broadcaster to. Like you said, you're trying to match that moment. Uh, So I'm not thinking about the call. I'm not trying to come up with some catchy phrase that I thought of three days earlier that I want to work in. Because to me, I couldn't do that smoothly. But if I can anticipate what may happen, that would make me more prepared for that moment. And
1: that's what we're taught as Mm ballplayers. We're taught to anticipate, you know, especially if you're playing defense or – um, n- not necessarily always as a pitcher, but as a defensive player, you're you're taught to anticipate because you got to know if the ball's caught here, I got to go there, and so you got to do all that. But let me ask you this: So, would you have ever anticipated this moment? So, uh, I'm pitching in New York, and um, a guy bunts on me. I come running in, whoop feet come out from end end. I land right on my back I don't know how but, you could anticipate yeah, that right well here's the second thing so next guy gets up I throw another pitch he bunts I come run in what happens the same thing <laughs> <laughs> and there just happened to be 40,000 people there that night So <laughs> the first one was like oh the second one was a
0: pure laugh right? <laughs> I don't think the announcers would have uh would have anticipated that yeah <laughs> well I Ben thank you so much for your time First of all, my last question was going to be what (laughs) advice would you give to uh, aspiring broadcasters? But I think if you've been listening to this whole time, it's Mm. be willing to pay your dues, be humble while you're on the ride to to hopefully get
2: to where you want to be, and then preparation. I mean, that – Am I leaving anything out there? Just stay in the saddle, man. That's the best way I can. Cause it, there's going to be bad days. There's going to be days where you feel like you're 100,000 miles from the big leagues. Just keep showing up. Keep going on the air. Do. And if you're extremely young, if you're junior high, high school, uh, college, Anytime somebody asks you to do something on the air, say yes. Just get on the mic as much as you can. I, I would call it the weirdest thing I've ever called. I called a Christmas parade one time. For the <laughs> first radio station I ever worked for, I was selling advertisement. They had me sell ads for a Christmas parade, and I called the parade. Like, here comes Santa Claus, and <laughs> here come the JCs." And it's Nobody wants to listen to that, but I was on the air. I was getting repetitions, and that's the best thing I could uh, offer a, a young person wanting to go into this field. Just stick with it and keep getting On the air and getting better and better. That's awesome. awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ben. We really appreciate it. My pleasure, guys. Thanks thanks for having
0: me. Our thanks again to Ben Ingram for joining us here on Behind the Braves presented by Billy Reed. Ben Ingram, not a shill, as we established in the <laughs> intro. Um, that was, I don't, I try not to rank any of Behind the Braves episodes, because we've done 51 now. I think Ben is number 51. Uh, and I honestly don't think I could, like, really say, this is my favorite. I think if we've said by default, always, like, we interviewed Hank Aaron, and that's like, if you if you if somebody forced us, it's like, well, how do you not choose Hank? But Ben is one that was up there for me. That that was a lot of fun because even though he's a friend, I still learned a lot about him and his story. So, enjoyed that a lot, as I'm yeah. sure you did. And I look forward to having him on again sometime.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, he's right in the thick of it. He's calling the game. He knows the team well. I w- there were plenty of other questions I really wanted to ask him about just being up in the booth, some of the things that he picked up on. Because you you got to be pretty uh, keen, keenly aware of things that are going on. And uh, I'd love to, I'd love to ask him some of his best moments Mm -hmm. and some things that were funny, some things that he thought, well, you know, he wondered what, what's really going to happen, you know, at this point. Mm -hmm. So there's some, some cool things out. And then of course they're around the team. Right, there's probably some things they can't say, just like I remember some things you know teams that i I was on that the announcers are aware of that they couldn't say but um but we could have talked for him, talked with him for another hour he was he was uh really engaged and and uh just had some great stories i I love the whole you know the paying your dues part when you're mm-hmm. going through. I personally never went through independent ball. And that's just, that's taking it to a different level. Yeah. You know, the minor leagues are bad enough, but when you're doing independent ball and, and, uh, you know, as a broadcaster and, <laughs> talking about the things that he had to do. He had a change of clothes with him and he had to show up and he was actually taking a, a blower and blowing out the stadium to right. clean it. And then the grounds crew and then working on the fireware. I mean, there's just all kinds of things he was telling us. I can't remember exactly. He shared all the stories on, on his um, interview, but, but, uh, he really
0: paid his dues to be where he is. Well, it comes back. If you were listening last week, uh, when we were, with Javi Lopez, the winter meetings, you know, you and I talked a little bit in the intro to that one about all the folks that come to the minor league job fair and the people that, not even the job fair, they're just dressed up nice with a stack of resumes and whatever the business cards, whatever in hand, just doing whatever they can to break in, willing to do whatever. You know, they'll come in and sweep the floors if they can. And that to me, that was been what we just had here in this episode was a real life example of that. Mm. Somebody that for went through all that, did all this stuff for years just to be able to do a little bit of what he wanted to do. I mean he was broadcasting those independent league games that he did that during the game, but presumably he was always having to do something else around the time. So it's it's uh that's a real life success story there. And that's some some people's path are easier than others and that's fine. Uh but for most people I think it's probably a lot like what what Ben had. Pay your dues. And you know what, for me, in my it's just my opinion and I'm not just limiting this to baseball. I think it's in most things, it, if you pay your dues, you're probably going to be better off for having done it in the end anyways. You'll be better at what you do mm-hmm. because of that. So,
1: Well, you're going to be more grateful. You're going to be appreciative. You probably have, you probably will have built a, a really good uh, work ethic from doing that because you knew what it took and you were willing to to do that. And, I, you know, let's face it, we've all talked to those guys and said, well, I'd never do that you know whether it's their ego or their pride or whatever well, it just tells me that you're not you're not either passionate enough about it um, or you don't love it as much yep yeah. you know and and I think the people who are best at their jobs are probably pretty passionate about it i mean i know there's different schools of thought on why you do the job that you do sometimes you're just really good at it but maybe you're not passionate about it i think more times than not people especially in this game where we see a lot of people that don't get paid a whole lot of money for what they do, yeah, but they do it because it just when they wake up in the morning, they feel good about it. Yep. They feel, this is what I've always wanted to do, and there's something about this wonderful game that got to play, got to be involved with, that just makes me smile when I wake up and or when I come to work, I smile and I enjoy being around it. And and so, I, you know, it, it it just seems like that with him – he like you said he always wanted to do it. I think he loves baseball. He could probably be an announcer in any sport that he wanted to cuz he's that good. Mm-hmm. But there's something about baseball that he's more passionate about than having to do football or basketball or something like that. So I think he feels, you can tell, he just he's grateful for his his job and his opportunity to be and growing up, being a Bra you know, being a Braves fan, and being you know where he grew up in Mississippi.
0: Yeah, I, we talked about uh, with him. I think in the interview we were mentioning, and I don't know that I brought it back brought it back up. I don't believe I did. But I was thinking about him, and he was talking about how he never ran away from the fact that he kind of has like a Southern dialect in his voice, and he thought that was a, a strength because it made him different. And I, it made me think a little bit about the voices that I remember from my youth from sports so that I would listen to and that I loved. In um, baseball, Skip Carey, that is as unique of a voice mm-hmm. as you could have. And Pete Van Weeren, when he heard his voice, I knew it was Pete Van Weeren. Uh, on the NASCAR side, I was growing up in that. Eli Gold and Barney Hall in the booth. Eli Gold, who's now the voice of Alabama football, and Barney Hall – they were the two guys in the booth. Their voices sounded completely different from each other, and they were both so unique. Mm-hmm. I think of Harry Callis. You know, I think he oh was gosh, the Scott. Phillies, and who I think he did a lot of the NFL films stuff right. back in the day. That voice on those NFL yeah, films—if that—that's Harry Callis. Right? Oh yeah, Remember? oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's phenomenal. Th- that that voice is just like you hear that, and it's like that's Harry Callis, mm-hmm. that's Skip Carey, that's Barney that's right. Hall, that's Ben Ingram. Mm-hmm. Like that, you hear his that's voice right. come on, and that's him. And it's and it's, I grew up
1: with John Ward, voice of Tennessee the Vols, and. He had that, you know, Hall of Fame announcer, and you can just know. And and I think that's really cool about what he said that I wanted to be myself and be unique. I wasn't trying to be like anybody else. And
0: that a lot of times that's what makes you great. Yeah, you can get yourself in trouble if you're whatever job you're getting into, and everybody's trying to tell you change you and mold you into something that you're not. I think as long as you're being yourself, then that's probably the best recipe for success for whatever yeah, you're doing. Be so. Bubba. Be Bubba and Harry, you know? <laughs> hey, the people in the comments on iTunes and or on Apple Podcasts, they love the Bubba and Harry show. <laughs> yeah. Well, love might be extensive, but they said yeah. they even like it. So yeah, that's fine. well, yeah. I'll take it. Yeah, I will too. All right, well, on that note, listen, it's been uh, – this is our first full calendar year, first full baseball season of Behind the Braves, and it's been so much fun. The with the numbers side of it, because we, I mean, obviously for us this to keep going, the numbers have to be good and they have to keep rising and they have, and that's all because of you out there that you've been listening and not just listening, but doing the rating, the reviewing, the subscribing and telling friends and sharing it with them, whether it's sharing it on your social media or just word of mouth. Uh, that's how this thing grows. And that's how we keep getting to do cool things like going out to the winter meetings and, when we sign a new player we're able to get them on the show and have them for a little while and talk to them and and all that kind of stuff so it's been a great great year for us on behind the braves and i'm i can't wait for bigger and better things in 2020 this is our last show of 2019 of course the next couple weeks we got christmas and, and new years and we certainly hope that all of you out there have a great holiday season however whatever you celebrate i hope it's a good one i'm I'm getting to spend it with my family in Virginia for a few days, and then we're all leaving there and meeting down in uh, in Florida and going to spend a week in, in Disney and go down to the Orange Bowl, wow. see Virginia, hopefully, somehow upset Florida. Fingers crossed. I don't know if that's wow, going to happen. Wow, that's going to be a good game. We'll see. We'll see. But I, the, I'm very much – I can't wait to see my family over the holidays, and I, I hope everybody out there is uh, – Gets to gets to do the same at least for a little bit. So, and I hope the same for you. of course. Yeah, too. well, I appreciate that. We're
1: we'll be getting together with family. I just came off a wedding. My uh, son got married, and
0: congratulations. We,
1: we kind of had a mini holiday get together. Uh, there, everybody's gone now, but uh, we'll be getting together with some extended family over Christmas and New Year's. We'll travel just a little bit, but for me, then it's on to fantasy camp. Fantasy yeah. camps will. Um, as soon as, after new year's, it's all speed ahead. We head down to Northport. We're going to have a great camp, experience the new spring training site and,
0: and then uh, come back and then we got uh, chop fest. And that's the exciting thing. I working in baseball. And I think even as a fan too, I remember feeling this as a fan. Once the, the calendar turns and it's January, that's, there's something about it that just feels like, okay, like now mm-hmm. we're really, we're on the path now to the new season starting. Um, I, I hope that we'll have had, had some more moves by then for the, the team. Who knows? You just can't predict this stuff. This offseason has moved a 1,000 times faster than the last one did, and that's been great. So, But who knows? You, you just never know it could slow down. But I would speculate that by then we'll have some resolution to some of the, the roster <laughs> questions. Sure. Uh, but either way, we'll be looking forward to the new year, uh, new season, and uh, I'm, I'm pumped up about it. 51 episodes in the bag for behind the Braves, and we're going to have a whole new uh whole new year's worth in 2020
1: yep should be a great year looking forward to it I've enjoyed the year with you and um, didn't really know what to expect but it's been a lot of fun
0: yeah it's been fun this is this is I I love uh, the rest of my job but this is the favorite part of what I get to do this is a lot this is this is I love doing this and I love hearing the the feedback I don't know if I ever mentioned this Uh, after game one of the NLDS the Braves of course dropped that first game and, uh, of course I was bummed about that. And I, I live in the battery in those apartments there. And so, I mean, Braves lost. I immediately packed up in the press box cause we lost. So there was nothing else for me to do that night except go home and, and, you know, be bummed about it. I was walking out and amidst, I mean, it was a playoff crowd. So it was a sellout crowd and the streets there, the battery right there in front of the Roxy, I was walking by there, the streets are crowded and somebody yells and goes, Ricky, Ricky mast. And I'm like, like, is my mom here? What's, <laughs> what's going on? Um, and it was a guy. Uh, I was a Braves fan. He had driven up. He and his family had driven up from Florida for game one that night. And he recognized me somehow and goes, man, I just wanted to thank you for what you and Greg do with Behind the Braves. He nice. goes, that is – he's like, I live for it. I love it. It's it's just – it's so good. He's like, please don't don't stop. Oh, we just love it so much. Hmm. And that, that, that like – I bring that up now because I think back on this year and I'm like, that moment was like, I was kind of bummed about the game and everything. And then believe me, I was still, I wish we'd won the game, but that like made my day that, that that somebody like cared that Mm -hmm. much about this show to, to seek me out just to say thanks to, and to tell you thanks too for uh, for the show so that's great so uh, I look forward to hopefully yeah, uh, maybe we'll get two fans next year
1: hey that'd be great but <laughs> you know we also we we probably I don't know when we'll announce it but we're gonna try to start doing some we made a little twist this uh, coming year in the season on uh, Behind the Braves mm-hmm. we've got uh, some things in store that might be a little bit different that uh, should be a lot of fun we still have our our uh, shows on YouTube mm-hmm. and then um but uh, we're thinking maybe kind of uh, amping it up a little bit.
0: Yeah, that's onward and upward. You know, we've had a, right. we've we've grown a lot in 51 episodes, and we only want to continue that and to grow it even more and get bigger. So that's the plan for 2020. So, yeah. all right. Well, for Greg McMichael, I'm Ricky Mast. Again, everybody out there in Braves Country and listening, hope you have a great uh, holiday, whatever you celebrate. Hope it's a good one, and uh, we will see you in January. The season will be upon us can't wait <laughs> see you next time behind the braves hey braves country we just wanted to remind you to rate review and subscribe behind the braves presented by billy reed on apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, stitcher braves.com slash behind the braves or wherever you get your podcasts thank you and we'll see you next time on behind the braves